I'm gonna I'm gonna see if I find it on my Facebook. <laughs> okay, okay, I, I see the preview. Here's go live. We'll add title. We'll go live anyway. Okay. <laughs> Do you see yourself? I, I'm not. I mean, I see myself because I see myself on Zoom. But that's better that I don't. Okay. So that this way. I'm not distracted by myself. <laughs> oh, I, I see it on uh, Facebook. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Is it on? Yeah, it's on. Oh, boy. All right. Look, it's starting now. Okay, so here we are. Hi, everybody. Hi, Lucia. Hi. Okay. So, um, first, uh, I just want to, you know, introduce you guys again to what I've been doing over the last several weeks. Um, I've been doing this Coño Coronavirus videos with um, different friends to talk about you know, how the coronavirus crisis has been impacting each of us and um, how we're dealing with it, you know, ourselves, with our families, our friends. But today we're going to be um, discussing a few other issues. Um, we have Lucia Gomez, who is a very good friend of mine, my former boss when I worked at uh, the Puerto Rico Legal Defense Fund <laughs> back in 1999. That's so crazy. And we're still friends, you see? That's, that's a really important piece, you know, because there's a lot of people I'm not friends with anymore. <laughs> and a lot of maybe old bosses you're not friends with anymore? Like. Our old bosses too, exactly, exactly. So, <laughs> but, um, you know, today is uh, particularly special because um, I wanted to bring, you know, to have a conversation with Lucia and talk about our mentor and friend, Angelo Falcón, who passed away um, a year ago. It'll be a year this weekend. Two. And um, Raquel, two years. What happened? Be two years? No, oh my God, two years. Wow, I, I'm, I'm totally off. Yeah. So, um, and, you know, talk a little bit about his legacy, his work, um, and then bringing it to what's happening today around the issues of uh, the census, redistricting, the upcoming elections, and of course, um, with a focus and a lens on the Latino community um, in New York and in the Northeast. Um, and I think, you know, and, and as we talk today, you know, definitely, you know, we've seen how the coronavirus has impacted uh, tremendously the Latino community um, and that the Latino community in New York State has suffered the most amount of deaths of coronavirus. And so this really has multiple implications for us, not only, you know, um, our direct hurt and grief that our families feel, but how does this, you know, translate into 
the political realm as well and how this is going to impact us on the long term. So, Lucia, say hello. Hi. <laughs> this, is, uh, this is fun. Um, I think I spend maybe 10 hours a day on uh, Zoom. I think um, a good amount of time, whether it's my first meeting in the morning or, um, you know, a bunch of meetings during the day and then wanting to connect with friends or stay connected. You know, I'm like, oh, let's do a Zoom party. I think I got a little tired in the last two weeks and I Zoomed out. But, um, but this is great. So congrats, Raquel. I think it's awesome that, um, you know, you get, at least we get friends or stay connected. You know, I'm like, oh, let's do a Zoom party. Wait, what's that? Sorry, sorry. Oh, that, was, that was the Facebook. It was, I put it on, on mute. I'm just answering some folks oh. that are saying hi. Uh, Juan Ignacio Rosa just said hello. Another old friend who's been working now with Nalgeo. Uh, working on efforts on the census. So I was just saying hi to him. Yeah. Hi, Juan Ignacio. Um, <laughs> I have to laugh because I think a lot of my friends still... Um, now I, I did meet 20 years ago do, doing census, um, when we did, wow, 22 years ago started, at, at Latino justice and, and starting with Angelo, um, you know, I never thought that, um, I would do everything that I've done since then. Um, but it's been pretty much on course, uh, within politics and census and redistricting and everything that comes together with all those things and understandings. And I think, uh, two years and Angelo passed right when we were about to like really start off with census. And I remember the last time I spoke to him, he was asking me to travel. I forgot where I was supposed to go to New Mexico or something because he couldn't, he couldn't travel at that point. He wasn't able to travel anymore, at least not far. And he was doing some census events. Um, and I remember saying, I want to call you back, but I can't because I have to take Victoria. And he was like, Oh, you in Victoria. I was like, yes, we had to travel to Virginia beach. Um, so I, I kind of remember that uh, scenario and, and it's so vivid still because he was still on top of everything. Uh, with census, even when, you know, some, he had some complications with being able to see the computer really, you know, for long periods of times or whatever the situation was at that time. But I, I still remember waiting to hear for him to give me his most recent update on what was happening nationally, what was happening with the, the race question, what was happening just on anything. So um, I think love of census and, and meeting you started. So it's interesting that it kind of comes full circle. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like, I mean, I'm not like a part of all of those conversations like we were back then. Um, but I definitely feel the absence of the leadership. And, um, you know, I think the Latino community had a lot of really big losses, right, with Angelo Falcón and Hector Figueroa. And um, I feel feel like as as I'm seeing certain things play out I see that the absence of their voices really has impacted us and and you know maybe it's us maybe it's others like who's going to step forward to really advocate and really pick up the baton on on those issues but you know I wanted to just highlight like one particular issue that I really have right now with the leadership um, is with the redistricting commission in New York state and how the selections occurred on that. Um, I am very disturbed with the fact that two of the people selected come from one specific law firm. And, um, you know, it's, I don't know if anybody has really kind of held their feet to the fire on that particular issue, because I know women's groups in the city have been saying there should be more women on the commission. Latinos absolutely need someone on that commission. And, and I'm going to say to take it further, we need to have a Latino Democrat on that commission. 
um, not just someone who has quote unquote, who's independent or is not registered, like what is that? That's really a slap to in the, in the face of Latino voters in New York state. So I just really, I wanted to say that you don't have to necessarily comment on that, Lucia. <laughs> Listen, but, I, you know. Um, look, I think that we definitely have a lack of, a lack of real advocacy and real um, folks that present the issue pretty much. Angela would not even drop the bomb. He would plant the seed and make people think regardless of what people thought his opinion his ad lib his extra you know uh judgments on it most of the time angelo if anything was pretty much direct and and real about the circumstances did he know all the dynamics and all the the you know the back and forth or who was involved and all the you know no he didn't need to he needed to drop it and everyone else felt the need to respond and what's happening now is that we don't have anyone even asking the questions. We don't have anyone even raising, you know, um, the concerns that both Angelo raised on the Latino, Puerto Rican, census, political, racial inequality side, like anything having to do with judicial appointments. And not on the, you know, let me write a letter and, you know, you know, check mark, you know, mark that off as having done some advocacy. He really like drilled deep. If he was here right now, you, could you imagine how many, how many things would not just go by on the wayside? Like this calling of the commissioner of health a bitch, like, you know, these dynamics of like, you know, putting forward certain people to have the difficult conversations or starting up, you know, legislate by a commission every five minutes, there's a new commission, there's a new committee, there's a new this, there's a, I mean, I'm so over it, right? While at the same time, we, some of us, including me, and many times I felt like every time I was going to call Angelo, I had to like, you know, make peace with the role that I was playing and feel comfortable that he still didn't consider me a sellout, you know, that he understood what role. And I felt like I had to call him and say, look, this is what's happening. This is what I'm doing. This is what's going on. Like, I always felt like it was important for me to do that with him because I knew that he was real and regardless of everyone's feelings, you know, towards what he said or how he said it, he made a lot of amazing things happen. And one of those, you know, some of those things is, I mean, no, go ahead. I mean, there's something to be said about having um, real independent voices um towing a line where they at the center they really have the community at heart and um you know they're not you know the, the thing with angelo was when he wasn't funded by any elected officials you know he would take like select foundation funding because not even that he would necessarily take um, and even in raising independent dollars, I mean, that wasn't his forte necessarily, but, you know, his commitment was always to like the truth of the evidence, right? What was the evidence of what was happening with the community? What was the evidence in the data and the numbers, right? And how that needed to translate into policies that really created equity and equality right and um you know not to say like i feel like there there are a lot of really wonderful organizations doing like really breakthrough work right now um but there was just something like very particular about about him about his voice and the vision that he had and how people really would come around those issues. And, you know, and the census is one of those places where everybody can agree to get on because everyone wants to get count, you know, at least the leadership wants to make sure that people are getting counted so that we in the end can get those dollars, we can get those services, they can do their advocacy. And, you know, it also ties into, you know, the, the redistricting and building political power 
So why don't you tell me a little bit about that? Huh? No, I'm just thinking, can you imagine all the amazing storylines around everyone in the de Blasio administration who's just waiting for their next open elected gig or their next like move or their next jump, right? Because everyone from the city council who's leaving now to the, the mayoral, you know, staffing and the mayor himself and his wife, could you imagine Angelo, Angelo didn't let up on the fact that Latino appointments in the mayor's office was ridiculously horrible. The fact that they had no power. The fact that, you know, even looking at civil service and the role of, you know, Latinos applying for those jobs, taking the tests, having access. I mean, there's so many factors. And then we see all this Corona stuff happen. And the reality is that all that stuff is coming to the forefront. You know, people ask, why is there such a disparity? a hell of a lot of reasons why there's a major disparity and the kinds of roles and jobs that are, you know, that our, our workers um, have taken in the past couple of years about more jobs in the city and the boom and the this. But there's just so much that um, hasn't been discussed. And I feel like, you know, he brought those to the forefront. And as to the, the state, forget about it. Nobody is criticizing you know, the, the governor right now, like on any front, because people take a look at the polls and know that he's actually lied, so no one's going to say anything. And then at the same time, you have, you know, leadership in the assembly, leadership in the Senate, that is people of color, finally, you know, uh, a democratically controlled Senate. And hopefully if they stay with it through November, they'll have more of a say during the redistricting process than they've ever had in previous decennials. Um, but I personally think redistricting in New York State is a joke. Like it's been a joke in the past, not sure if this new supposed commission, separate from what LAFOR was, um, is gonna be any better. I don't think there's any proof that it's gonna be any better than the joke that it has been in previous decades. Um, we're definitely gonna see district changes in the Senate in particular, if the Senate Dems stay with control of the Senate. Um, absolutely because of the way in which Long Island was drawn, the way in which, you know, upstate um, senators had, you know, districts that were much smaller um, in size versus districts in the city that were much larger. So I'm sure we're going to get more, um, hopefully more, at least another Senate seat, you know, representation in the city. If the districts are just drawn. I, I, I mean, I am really concerned, though, like, because of the amount of deaths that we've seen right we're in census season right now mm -hmm. and you know when we talk about population loss right new york state was already losing people right because they were leaving to other states moving to other states you know what whatever all the other issues are around that around population loss and now we've had this huge number of people especially downstate, especially in New York City. And we're definitely going to see more people leaving the city. I, for one, am one of those people, right? But I'm going to make sure I get counted here first. But, you know, <laughs> like, um, but, you know, these are all, all realities, right? Because the governor has not canceled rent, and there's going to be a lot of people who are not going to be able, what's going to happen on August 20th? Are we going to see like thousands of people in New York City housing courts getting evicted? You know, what? It, it's just there's so many factors here that this absolutely will have a, an impact on restricting on, on the congressional level all the way down to the local. And does this potentially mean that Latinos will lose? Could we lose a seat because of this? I mean, and that's a question to you. And, and you're saying on the congressional or on what level, right? Because we're going to lose. The way the census is right now, New York is like at 49% or something. The country's at like 60. Um, I think New York State is maybe 55 at this juncture. I, don't, I can't recall the numbers exactly. I think it's really interesting that um, places like Co-op City has, have been highlighted to have census tracts that are in the 70s, 70% um, 70, 70 around now. Same thing with Upper Manhattan. Which, 
one of the areas most most impacted right now. Uh, yes, and then, well, are you asking me what areas? No, no I'm saying with from the New York Times article that I saw on the data. Um, you know, Co-op City is one of the areas that ha is like one of the top twenty neighborhoods that has been severely impacted and has one of the highest death rates. Right. So, you know, well, there's two things here at play. One is population loss just in general before all this happened. And then potentially um, more additional population loss as a result of COVID. Uh, you know, this has all happened so fast. There are people who do have the opportunity to move out. Uh, there are others that, that simply don't, right? That just um, can't easily uproot or, or just don't have that um, they just don't have those abilities. Some people um, who are going to do it um, or who have already started moving back south. Maybe, but, but they may be forced out. That's what I'm saying. Like, at, by the end, you know, depending on what happens with so this the, whole the rent is, issue. The good thing with census is that you have to October 31st to be counted. So before you choose to move out or are forced out, you know, uh, make sure you get counted in New York City by October, you know, 31st. That's the data that we will be working with, right? Where you are um, on April 1st, which all those people are supposed to be counted in New York City, regardless of where they choose to move afterwards, right? So in that regard, you know, I would say we're going to work potentially with flawed data, but maybe that balances out with the undercount that we're going to have as a result of people not being counted, right? So I'm not too concerned with, you know, the overwhelming numbers, right? Uh, uh, a Senate sees, what, 306,000 people approximately. Um, city Council is 57. Assembly was about 130, 127, something like that were the numbers. You know, the Senate is not, we're not going to lose Senate seats. We're definitely going to lose congressional rep. That's as a result of the overall loss in the last couple of years, in the last decade, um, and the population gain in other places. Don't think COVID is going to um, necessarily impact that as much as potentially the census undercount if people don't get counted, right? Um, that's that's going to be critical. But I don't think we lose more than two seats um, in the Congress unless we really screw this one up. And we could lose three because someplace like Florida or Texas, you know, um, definitely have to gain, you know, a seat as a result. So. Not sure if we're going to, but I think New York State is definitely going to lose two um, districts. Uh, the commission, you know, it's to be expected that, I mean, it's a little blatantly like a slap in the face when things are so obvious that, you know, you come from the same law firm, you don't have Latinos on the commission. Pretty much, I remember the guy in 2010, I believe, was some guy from Long Island um, that was on the commission that was the Latino. I was like, Long Island? And it was the Republicans, I, I remember, that, that post put him. Um, Redacting yeah. is an insider's game, so unfortunately, you're not able to get the same kind of public response, um, you know, that, that we could use in order to push, um, you know, Senate and Assembly leadership. Um, you know, you want to talk about you know, progressives want to talk about that. Well, the reality is that if you don't have a seat at the table, um, a seat at the table really does make a difference in terms of you being put on the spot to say, hold up, you know, you know, this is going to be uncomfortable. And you got to go back to your community to say, yeah, I knew that was happening. And, you know, I let it happen. That's not easy for someone who has, you know, real um, you know, ties in the neighborhood. So, but they don't want to do that, right? They want to make sure that this stays. Um, you know, the thing is, like, for example, you know, they, they put John Flateau there. And John Flateau is a highly respected African-American leader who has been at the table for now, what, four decades? And they assured that he would be on it. So why is that not occurring and that same level of respect and honor being shown to Latinos in New York State when they're always coming to us for our vote? I know. <laughs> well, I'm saying it. Wait, wait, no, but then you have to stop and think, well, who's coming for our vote and where, right? Because, you know, 
it's not like the governor and the state legislature are like working hand in hand, you know, in that regard. It's like, we, we've really seen very interesting political dynamics in the last two years, I would say. Um, definitely after AOC. I mean, I feel like everyone and their mother believes they can be an elected or should be an elected or, you know, have the capacity or have the, you know, the right tool set to um, best represent every constituent, not just Latinos. Um, I just think it's, it's, yeah, it's not where we should be. Definitely not as a community where I'm not sure which institutions are talking about um, having that kind of representation. I know Latino Justice I, um, uh, wrote a letter or had an opinion about this. And I know that they were lo uh, lobbying for a Latina, uh, specifically um, a woman from the Latinx community to be. Um, and, you know, in New Jersey, the same deal is being, is happening now where everyone's pushing. Uh, New Jersey is going to go first and the deadline for the census has been extended and the data will arrive much later. So I'm fascinated. And I remember 2010 redistricting like it was the other day. Um, fascinating to see what New Jersey would do in terms of appointments. Last time they had one Latina from the South. Um, but New York is pretty disgusting, actually, um, that we have so many Latinos in the Assembly and the Senate, and there's not enough um, advocacy to ensure that someone, um, that it's a given, that it's a common sense thing, that it's like, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We, we've, as a community, there's so much at stake for us, so many issues that are really, um, uh, I know people like to ignore it, but it's really issues that the Latino community has been at the forefront for such a long time. Um, and we're negatively being impacted left and right by so many of these policies that are fought for, from rent regulation, right, to access to higher ed, to access, you know, to specialized high schools. There's just so many issues. Overcrowding of schools we deal with every damn day. Now is and right now it's super critical i mean the state and the whole country the world is going through a huge transformation and so we definitely need to assure that we are at the table during this transformation you, oh, you know, know like i going on with the schools for example right you know, one of the major reasons why I decided, you know, to stay with my family in Georgia is because, right, there's no school right now. And that's fine. But, you know, then they, they decide, okay, we're going to evaluate how we're going to bring children back to school. They bring in Bill Gates. They bring in this, uh, like, you have three white guys determining the whole educational system of New York State. I admit, but I like Carranza, though, just staying on the city level. Could be the Mexican. Well, Carranza's there. Yeah, he's there. But, but, but I'm seeing more of what's happening at the state level. Because the state will, whatever is determined there is definitely going to trickle down and impact what happens at the city. I Look... Just saying state and city in the same phrase as if they somehow <laughs> are properly like talking to each I mean, I'm sure they're talking to each other. Some elements of, of those, yeah, you know, of those. We know, that we, know, we know that there's been drama, right? The, the whole reason why we're even in this mess is because, right, I'm sure de Blasio wanted to shut everything down maybe a little bit earlier, but couldn't move forward because he had to kiss the ring and get Cuomo's permission to close everything down. You know, and thank God for the UFT threatening their lawsuit, because if not, who knows? Because honestly, they should have shut down those schools two weeks earlier. That's my humble opinion. And I'm the first one I'm <laughs> You know, where the hell are the parents going to put their kids? I know that that is a, a reality. I, I'm privileged to be able to be home and, you know, be with Victoria and crack the whip when I notice something is late or have the opportunity to have a Google Classroom where I get alerts and I ha I'm signed in with her. She's 13. Could you imagine what parents are going through at home with six-year-olds, seven-year-olds? Well, look, I'm going through it. <laughs> and... Nefasi, oh my because oh my the first thing 
the first thing Carmen said to me was, Mommy, you're not my teacher. Victoria tells me that all the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was your first teacher. I'm a better math teacher than your math teacher. I'm good. Yeah. It's <laughs> an ongoing problem. Teachers that have and we're going to carry the one and we're going to. <laughs> Listen, I, I think I now see, you know, I've had the opportunity to be able to actually see how she learns, how she shuts down, what shuts her down, like, you know, the block you know, that she puts um, her own, like, insecurities with learning, her own, like, you know, confidence in other, in other ways. I, I've been blessed to have the chance to be able to pay attention to that. I mean, I think more than grades, because it's not about grades. It's about the habits that are formed while getting those grades. So I noticed, like, you know, yes, that's an A, but that's just like a flat, that's like whatever A. That's not the same A as I saw you working on that project and you, you know, planned it and gave it your all, you know, that that's a very different A for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I pay I mean, attention to that. And I think for me with Carmen at this point, because we really got to a point where it was always an argument. And I was like, you know what? I cannot make this a stressful point in our relationship. So I'm more happy her playing and I will deal with whatever issues I need to deal with when the time mm -hmm. comes. Let's be real. Hold on. Ready? I know adults like Victoria. Like, I know people like, like colleagues or, or like people that I know or work with, right? Like in the sphere that have great, a great subset of skills, right? Like a great skill set. And they're okay getting that. And they don't try different things or not trying to go above and beyond. It's like, dude, it's good. It got done. What's the problem? I'm like, what do you mean? What's the problem? How did it get done? And do you feel 100% about that? Like, did you review it? Did you like, and so honestly, Raquel, like, I'm looking at this mini adult and I'm saying, oh, do I want to hire you? Because if I even saw you as an intern, I'd probably, Never hire you again, ever. <laughs> I'm glad that she's still 13, right? That I can still pay attention. Yeah. Because even I recall a couple of years when I, two years ago almost, yeah, no, four years ago, when I first started getting her to knock on doors, right? She was so excited. So excited about knocking on doors. You know, she was the translator for my Spanish, um, for the members, that are, the Spanish volunteers that were going door knocking and Victoria would do the English part and she was registering voters. She had a clipboard and she very much knew what needed to get done. She walks in, she gets her stuff and she leaves. Now, I can't, well, obviously she's 13, so God forbid I even told her it was a campaign, I can't get her out of the car. But um, I still noticed that she has, tell me what I need to get done so I can get it done and I'm done. Versus, all right, do me a favor. Can you think through how to organize this turf or that turf? Or can you break up the list and hand them? She's like, just tell me what you need and I'll just do it. Like, however I want to do it. And it's like, <gasps> I see that person. I know who that is. I, I can probably tell you three or four names of people I've hired in the past that are like that right now. So my point is that this is a chance that we have to help shape the future workforce, dude. Like, I'm well, I mean, I think there's something to be said about how are our children learning critical thinking skills? How are they learning to really think something through versus just following an instruction? And um, I have to say, I, you know, I do have to give props to Carmen's school because like when she was in the classroom um, and I visited the classroom, you know, I saw the things they had up and they were having them basically like going through a law school analysis, essentially, but at first grade level. And when I saw it, I was like, wow, like I really was impressed. Honestly, I was like, whoa, okay, Carmen really is learning how to think and how to write. Right. And I can say that I, I, I didn't really learn how to write. I, and I didn't really learn how to write until college, like for real. I, I'm, I'm, I didn't really I was up learn that generation. how to write. 
Listen, I was of that generation, like things that I did growing up, writing in my journal, writing letters to people, like expressing myself, she, automatically she has, like that's a given, but so much better than me, like more consistent. Like she is that writer that Angelo would have adored because give the subject matter, read a little bit. Like Angelo and I worked so well because Angela knew I was like a sponge, you know? And once he got me amped up, I was like, oh, now you're throwing something else at me. Okay, I got this. And I would read everything you can think of. I was a reader. So he knew that I would absorb, so, like I was a sponge. But Angela was that writer that, okay, tell me what happened. And then he would write, and it would take me an entire day to th synthesize what it is that I experienced and how it happened. And Angela would just write it. Like there was more loved that like if there's someone i wanted to be was him like yeah. how he just grabbed and wrote and writing when i saw hamilton or kept hearing that you know uh, write like it's uh, run like you're running out of time you know right they and i like you know that part i always thought of him yeah. like angelo just wrote he knew it had to be put on paper in order for it to be real it had to be put on paper in order for that's definitely a lesson. I mean, I, there were a lot of major lessons that I learned with Angelo. One was the importance of demographics and data, right? That was definitely one. Two was documenting. Like everything was about documentation, taking a lot of pictures, right? Writing before things every, up. Before Instagram. And before Instagram, before all of this, before, before Facebook. Even before Facebook, Angelo knew, you know, and everybody he would do his newsletters and, you know, send out those newsletters. And I totally incorporated all of those things, you know, and like that makes you kind of become like a real source of information for people. People want to like look for this stuff. They're, they're hungry for it. Yeah. And I, you know, so let's see what we're going to what we're gonna do, Lucia? We gotta do something, and I got time now. I mean, I'm like, <laughs> you know, I'm 45. I feel like I'm doing something. Yes, you are. Who am I, girl? But the irony in all this is, like, I feel like I'm I'm raising somebody who's gonna do 10 times more than I did, you know, and that for me is is a really big focus because I I'm like. You know, I can do, continue to do what I'm doing. I, I've never, ever worked so much with electeds, I would say, or about elections um, the way I am now a little bit, being able to think a little bit more about, you know, labor and affiliates. And that came from Hector, because if it wasn't for Angelo, I would have never been connected to Hector. Because, Angelo, you know, Hector always served on the board of, of um of NILP and of um, IPR. And I met Hector through the National Latino Policy Institute and the Institute for Puerto Rican Policy. And IPR. And I remember Hector when he was still in Puerto Rico and Angela would always talk about him. Um, and then- oh my God, I remember he loved Hector. He was like, oh, he's this economics guy from Puerto Rico. Oh, like, all the time. He was so excited. Him, him Jesus, I would remember all the time. Um, and I wasn't really involved with labor other than being a UAW member at uh, Latino Justice when it was Pearl Def. And I remember being uh, a union member and having the issues with the then president, um, Figueroa. And I remember filing a charge NLRB because he wanted to like negotiate on the side with me. Um, I ended up resigning and then suing. Um, it was really interesting. <laughs> I got my back pay so, for about a year. That's so funny. That's also funny. So funny. Uh, but, you know, Latino justice then got its well-deserved Huang, which is the real Huang of, of uh, Latino justice, which is Cartagena. And I guess, yeah, yeah, the real Huang. That's, I always told Huang, I always told Cartagena. I love Cartagena. I love him. And so did, and so did, like, Angelo knew Cartagena was like the bomb when it came to everything redistricting, everything census, everything having to do with, you know, justice in general. And- Oh, and it was his birthday. It was his birthday, right? Happy birthday. Yes. Juan Cartagena. Yes. Jesus. 
Um, I would say that between Angelo connecting me to Cartagena and, and allowing me even to learn anything about redistricting from the guru, like for me, he's still the, the dude. And then learning anything, everything about labor from Hector, like the way the, their brains functioned, like outside the box is, is, is a simple term to describe how they thought, how they thought about others, how about they thought about the big picture and the vision and they imagined the world that had certain elements and they charted a course for it. It was incredible. And Angelo and Hector both like they had they had the same energy in that way. And Hector really did listen a lot to Angelo. Like I remember having just spoken to Angelo and then Hector brings me in you know, to his office to discuss, you know, what we have to do next. And I remember all this stuff around Puerto Rico when, all, you know, everything happened uh, around Hurricane Maria afterwards. And, the, you know, even things before that, even bef everything before Hurricane Maria and, you know, the, the issues happening economically in Puerto Rico, Hector was on it. And Angelo was talking to him all the time. What was brilliant about them too is that both of them were, in the heart of hearts, they were academics. They were highly intellectual people who loved social justice and were able to apply that knowledge like in real time. Humble. And, 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 and they really knew how to connect with the Latino community. But, but what, but, but, you know, let's talk about the flip side of it, because, you know, at the same time that we love them and we love their vision, I mean, a lot of people did, did not like them or did not necessarily agree with them. And even like Latino leaders who were not necessarily aligned with their particular vision, right? Because these guys at the end of the day were a bunch of like essentially socialist y comunita and they weren't like all about neo-capitalism necessarily per se, right? No, yeah, I mean, I they were definitely, I mean, there were definitely different personalities, you know. A lot of people don't like me and I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much, I'm okay, you know, I'm, I'll, I'll be fine with that. A lot of people didn't like Angelo and he was perfectly okay with that. And I think I was, you know, that was my Angelo and I don't, you know, I knew him from a, a uh, you know, yes. go, I'm, I'm sure Hector, I don't, I'm not sure because Hector was a different, he was a different soul than Angelo. You know, Angelo knew what his role was in the world and his role didn't necessarily mean he had to be liked by a shitload of people. And he was liked and loved by a, a lot of people and respected. And I think and he wasn't in plain politics. He wasn't plain politics. No, and he wasn't looking for, you know, he wasn't on a popularity you know, contests. He could care less about that stuff. And, and, and I think to, to some degree, Hector valued a certain, you know, he had a close group of people that he valued opinions on and he would listen to everybody, but he didn't make time for everyone in the same way. He didn't value opinions in the same way, you know, but he was more quiet about it. Angelo made sure that he was more public about it because that's who Angelo had to be, right? So for them to pass one year and then the next year and, and uh, you know Hector had just been at Angelo's you know street naming um, in Brooklyn it was it was yes. so cool to see him take the time you know um, through these amazing last couple of years I mean I remember when he was secretary treasurer and he was just getting started actually before secretary treasurer at 32BJ and he was helped us with Latina PAC and South yeah, that was right around when we when we met, right, we did yeah. 1999-2000, that time was when he came on to 32BJ. That's right. Yeah, and he loved, I mean, he supported a we lot. Exactly. We were so cute. We were so cute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I would say, you know, Angelo led me to Hector, which led me to so many things after that. Um, within labor, which is an, uh, an area that I love that I didn't think I was going to, it's a totally different, you know, angle. Hector allowed me to do immigrant rights work, you know, when I was at La Fuente that didn't, I never dived into because I was always about, you know, um, the Latino electoral, which usually were more citizens. So ended up being um, in different parts of the country were hugely Mexican, but definitely Cuban, Dominican. Um, and I loved, you know, all those dynamics 
of what it meant to be part of a Latino community that when the immigrant rights stuff kicked in in 2011, it was like, oh, this is different. You know, this is a whole other world of uh, communities. And now with labor, it all kind of comes together. So uh, a lot of things going on. Um, yeah. But um, I don't know. I mean, we have a, a few more minutes left. It's already like 9.44. I feel like, you know, what do you think is going to happen? I mean, we haven't even touched, right, the upcoming elections, the presidential. What is that looking like with Biden and the Latino community? And, you know, he just hired, he just hired Cesar Chavez's granddaughter or something like that. She's a consultant on the campaign. And I'm like, okay, that's great. That's wonderful. Always right for the Mexican community, the, you know, the largest Latino community. But it's like, where's like the rest of us? <laughs> Honestly, right, like, I, I, anything but Trump. Like, that's my... Oh, I'm, I'm with you. I'm I'm there too. And Biden I'm would never have, Trump Biden like would Biden would never have been my first choice. I was a Hillary Me neither. supporter. I was with Bernie. Yeah, I was a Hillary supporter. Me and my family to vote for a viejito. We wanted to work for I was, to vote for a viejito. Listen, all I know is that 2016 I was all in with Hillary. I wanted Hillary so badly. I think it was the female side. You know, kind of just, you know, really wanting my daughter to see a woman become president, you know. Um, and that quickly, you know, I cried the, the night, the days after. Probably still had bursts of tears after that. Not because of Hillary. It was because we had Trump now. And to be honest with you. No, I mean, I remember, I remember the moment when I was like walking down the ramp from uh, the 1199 daycare when my daughter was at the 1199 daycare center on Fordham Road when he announced that he was running. And I was like, what? I'm like, he's not going nowhere. And then it's like, what the? And Raquel, <laughs> you, we all know people Yo, that drink that Kool-Aid that are, I, I don't understand. I really don't. Yes. I don't know. Yes, no, and I emailed them now, and I this all of this is your fault. No, but people are okay with it. Like the blood of people, people are in your hands. Whoever voted for Trump, all this shit is on you. Period. Oh, but, and guess what? People like what this is. There are real people who do believe that he's done an amazing job, and that Democrats are only whining. Or terrible. At the end of the day. This is really not about Dems or Republicans. This is about, he's an incompetent like human being. He's just not there. Um, and yet he- I mean, I feel so like this is like nature versus nurture. Like it's so like elemental, like what's going on right now. No, like, you know what's so hard. rooted? You know what's so rooted? The racism is just blatant across the board. Even, and maybe some folks are like, I'm not racist, like, you know, Let's just stop and think sometimes some of the things going on in this country are just so, so deeply rooted in racism that people just don't see it. It's just like a common thing. And the fact that if I wear a mask, somehow you're a Democrat. And if you don't wear a mask, then you're a true, like, American. And I, I don't understand. I just don't understand why, why safety or why this issue has been politicized the way it has. You know, I have to admit that I had a field day watching Obama's speech because I just wanted to see or hear a zoom. I love my mother. I, well, but did you see the, I mean, like, I'm, my mother loves him too. Look, like, I, I, know, I, know, I know there are people, and I understand the issues with Obama. The same issues I have with the Clintons, I can have with Obama, right? Yeah, I mean, because Clinton was 1996, welfare reform. Right? Yeah. They still do bad things. Deportation so thing was Obama. Politics in the country. That's the politics of this country. And that's the thing, you know, and you know what? And so this takes me to this point, and it, this is going to be a little bit like of a far reach, but you know what? Maybe New York City really should consider like becoming its own nation state and fuck everybody. 
Like, I really think Cuomo and all you mighty people in, in Albany should really consider opting out of paying into the federal government budget and let's keep our money. And for all those people upstate who were complaining because Cuomo had to confiscate their ventilators to save lives in the city, and we're talking about, oh, we should like defect. You know what? Go ahead and defect because you know what that's going to mean for us? We're going to have control over our buildings, right? Over our rent control and our tenant rights. Beautiful. Let's do this shit. I think that's what people need to like, but that's me like going up. But I, I, it, it makes no sense. All the money, all this money that comes from New York city to fund this state and this nation. And then the, the nation then keeps us out of getting our fair share of the stimulus and all of that. And I just finished watching the Hillary um, documentary on Hulu where she said, and she reminded me that when 9-11 happened and money went out, they didn't give a dime to New York where it happened. You know what? Fuck the country. They, we shouldn't give them no money. That's my humble opinion, my friend. <laughs> and, I, and I humbly live in Jersey. <laughs> I already defected. It's so funny because I've never, like, I've never uh, been so ingrained in Jersey politics the way I've done New York because Union City was just, you know, literally like 15 minutes bus ride into the city. And it was just so much easier than going to Trenton or working in Newark, right? In terms of where state office buildings or, or politics were. And then living in Union City and doing Latino justice, it was beyond like New York. I never th thought that I would be doing New York City only politics, you know, because for me it was like, what, eight states? you know, and they're different redistrictings and they're different dynamics. I mean, and that in and of itself brought so much, you know, um, depth to the understanding of the way New York City does things now. So, listen, we have a long yeah. go. City Council, any predictions, Raquel, on the mayoral? Because we don't I, have a Latino candidate. Well, you know, I, I, I mean, look, I think, I think it's going to be Scott Simpson. Interesting. I don't know. I mean, I feel like he's the guy that's like there. I feel like someone's going to come out of the blue, a la, a la Bloomberg, you know? I, I, I call you another millionaire, billionaire. I think we need to move away from millionaires. You know what? I would well, I'm be not so saying that we, I'm not saying the person is going to be a billionaire, millionaire. I'm not, you know, but I am saying I don't think we've seen all the candidates yet. Like, I just don't... I mean, I would love to see, like, Diana Morales come up to the forefront. That would be so exciting to see a Latina woman, Afro-Latina woman, come to the forefront on it. But, you know, everybody's going to do her like they did Christine Quinn. <laughs> so. uh, the fascinating thing is that you just equated them. So it's like, you know, no. I, I think I... Listen, with ranked choice voting... Um, anything can happen. I feel like there's just so much, uh, there's so much that cannot be predicted. Um, I've, I, you know, Diana Morales is one of the uh, Latino mayoral candidates. Um, you know, we lost Ruben, who's no longer running uh, for mayor, and he made his, you know, decision. Um, you know, I think it's really sad that we have yet to um, be able to put a Latino citywide you know, um, in office, and, and that is a fault of ours. And so, you know, again, we have too many initiatives um, and too many initiatives talking about, let's say, issues, which issues are important. Like, that's what we should be doing, right? Because at the end of the day, those are the issues that impact the Latino community. Those are the issues, right? Issues is where it's at. But there's also an element that has to be balanced about you know, race and representation and what it means when you have people who look like yeah. you know about the struggle or not even the struggle, but like are able to even just have this conversation, um, you know, on multiple levels, whether it's language, whether it's about class, whether it's just about race, 
uh, whatever the case is, I, I do think there are lack of sensitivities uh, across the board and hiring your token, you know, or two is not necessarily um, how you bring depth and scope to, to an administration, you know. Um, we yeah. definitely need many more people to rise to the challenge. Um, and let's see, you know, I, I, I am for one. It's already hard to rise to the challenge, right? You know, there's a lot of sacrifices that comes to running and running a political campaign. Um, and I think that, you know, what I want to know is what's going to happen now that we are experiencing all of these major budget cuts, what is it going to mean for the upcoming elections? What is it going to mean with matching funds? Is that going to still be on the table? Um, and will that impact the number of people who are going to be able to run? I mean, I haven't heard anybody talk about that yet. Yeah, I haven't. I mean, honestly, I don't know if there's a way, if it's, in, if it's based on, I'm not sure what the law says in terms of, uh, whether that could just be off the table, you know, um, or if that has to be budgeted. Um, I'm not sure if there's any caps on any of that. I'm not sure how it flows. Yeah, but I feel like right now it's Wild Wild West. It's not even like what you have to fund. I mean, if the state is bankrupt and the cities are not going to be receiving the money that they need to even run a fire department if, and if any hospitals and... Raquel, if any of that is really what's happening right now in terms of bankruptcy, you know, if that any of that is comes to fruition, elections is the least of our worries. You know, we're gonna yep. a lot of a lot of things happen. Happen devaluing of properties. You know, even if rents go down, what does that even mean? These are the issues that whatever new council comes in is gonna have to be dealing with within the next two years. Right, and they'll only deal with it for two years and then have to run an election again because we will have redistricting, yeah. right? So what a waste of time and money. They didn't address that in the charter, right? Yeah. Well, they, they just addressed an extension of time, which, you know, honestly, we've opened, we've changed the charter three times already in the last like two years. I think it's pretty ridiculous. I remember back, I still remember the report of um, that Angelo... Uh, pulled together about the charter revision in the 90s, which was like a whole yeah. show and a spectacle. Now you open up the charter and make changes to the charter every damn minute. There's like no respect for, you know, the charter itself. And so, you know, the conversations about Blasio opening up and having another charter revision commission is fascinating again. Um, they need to do something because they need to change the dates. Maybe they don't, you know, because New York is not like New Jersey in terms of those are issues that we should take a look at. But yeah. okay, so I, I don't want to cut it completely short, but we've been on now and I want to thank you, Lucy. I think this was really, really good. I loved it. No, I think it's good and I love <laughs> and it. And a lot of people on the Facebook commented. There's a lot of comments. People like the conversation. No, no and, questions. You know, maybe oh my God, I love questions. Oh my God, I don't know. Let me see if people have any questions. Um, people can post questions on on. I think that's funny. On no, Facebook. It's fine. I'm only kidding. Uh, oh, Aldrin, Aldrin put up, Angelo Falcon lives in you. <laughs> Jocelyn Aponte said, thank you, Raquel and Lucia, for that. Huh? I, I'm saying, like, I wish I had, like, any, like, the ounce. I mean, thing. look, he definitely deeply, uh, you know, influenced us on many levels. Oh. And I think, I really think that we need to think about what we're going to do, um, especially in the face of all of this stuff. We need to put in a few phone calls to some people. And, and I think that there's definitely interest. I think people are looking for this space to have these conversations and to plan. Mm. I'm glad you think that, though. Huh? <laughs> I said, I'm glad you think that people are looking for these spaces. I think a lot of people I, don't no, take I, the risk I, I that am. someone like Angela like, I'm looking. I, I know, but seriously, I think that a lot of people are not willing to take the risks that he did and the sacrifices that he made. 
honestly, yeah. like for, for and on behalf, and it wasn't on behalf of Angelo, like he didn't do it for him personally. And honestly, but a lot of people in the Latino community still don't know the contributions that he had, even on their current lifestyle situations. You know, it's really interesting to see. The job that he helped create, yes, and open the door. That's Absolutely. right. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's right. But, but that gracias. Give a kiss to Victoria for me, okay. and and hopefully we'll we'll see each other soon. Maybe we'll do a social distance walk before I go to Atlanta. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Bye. Okay. Bye. Thank Bye. you. You're welcome.